Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello, everybody. And Mr. Mark Brew. How y'all? And uh, this week on the show, we are going to be going back, back, back in time to 1987 to review AWA Super Clash 2. Uh, um, and it's uh, it's it, it'll be it, it probably won't be quick, but it will be fun to review this show. Um, <laughs> and speaking of being quick, I'm going to be quick here at the beginning of the show. I have a little rant. We don't have to spend a bunch of time on it, but I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to talk about like 70% of the internet wrestling community is losing their fucking mind. They, they, <laughs> they, um, I don't think they read and, 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 and listen, I, they, they don't, okay. They read, but they don't read the right things for comprehension um, example. <laughs> This past, well, you know, everybody, this past week, Vince McMahon back in power, Stephanie McMahon resigned. And then as we record this last late last night, some some goober on the Internet says that WWE is selling to Saudi Arabia. So then the Internet explodes because some goober on Facebook or some goober on Twitter, not a journalist. That's the other thing that bothers me is social media makes it where everybody thinks they're a journalist. Like whenever there's a story in wrestling, there's a bunch of douchebags like reporting it, like they're, they're Walter Cronkite or something. It's like, you're a dude on Facebook. Okay. That's why I don't do a lot of reporting of news on our, on our pages and stuff. I, I do some opinion, but that's why I don't report news. Cause I'm not a news reporter. That's not I'm not a journalist. I'm not a wrestling news person. Anyway, I'll get to my point. So they read this and they're exploding about it, right? And the biggest issue that the reason I say they read they read the wrong things and don't read the right things is if they would take the time to read, I don't know, a book or the news once in a while instead of just reading some dude on Facebook, they would realize that they were outraged about WWE, which they didn't, but selling to Saudi Arabia on Facebook, which Saudi Arabia also owns some of. <laughs> and they were probably outraged on Twitter, which Saudi Arabia also owns some of. And I'm sure afterwards they sat down and they played an EA sports video game, which Saudi Arabia also owns some of. I'd like everybody to research all of the things that Saudi Arabia owns some of and throw all of those things away and then you can talk to me about Saudi Arabia owning the WWE. <laughs> I'm just saying, read before you speak. Um, that was my rant. I just, I was like, come on, seriously. They, 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 they already own, like they own, they own parts of Uber. They own parts of most of the places you get gas from. It is what it is. In the modern world, the Saudi Arabians own a bunch of stuff and you just got to get over it. Did you read my joke that I posted on our page? Uh, I don't think I saw it. Mark, did you see it? Uh, no. I don't give a shit because I don't really watch it anyway. But I was like, oh, everybody's mad about, like, you know, guys when they get released, they're going to get, like, like, they get mad when wrestlers get released and they got, like, a 90-day no-complete clause and, and, and they yeah. can't use their name. I now, saw that. Now, 
when they get released, they're going to get beheaded. <laughs> it's getting deep. Yeah. I mean, it's like I talked to, I was on Archie's show this week. When we, Saudi Vince goes, we're going to have to make some cuts. Everybody's going to be like, holy shit. <laughs> Saudi Vince. Going to lose my hand. Put um, that samurai sword down, fucker. I, I was I was on Archie's show this week because we were gonna we discussed the the whole thing and I think at at the end of the day most likely WWE probably sells to to um, Saudi Arabia to NBC NBC is is to me the most potential buyer just because they have so many deals already in existence with WWE and for them as a company it makes much more sense if they say all right we spend 4 to 5 billion or we spend 4 to 5 billion dollars and just buy this company outright instead of every 5 years having to spend x amount of money on television rights you know yeah and, but then too you got to work in how they're going to juggle that with all the uh sporting events and all that they put on yeah well i'm i'm sure they could figure it out you know they do with with uh with the network and the and the PLEs and everything that was my biggest thing. I don't give a shit who owns WWE as long as I still have access to the library. I really don't care. NBC buying it, it would be like Mark was kind of what Mark was saying with like juggling their sports things. They're doing that now with Peacock. Like I, I don't watch the NFL, but I get on there and then I I get on the I, I, I get on the Peacock or whatever and I'll see they have like NFL streaming and they'll have like um um whatever this uh soccer whatever like when the world mls yeah yeah they had all that shit streaming but you could still click on and see like you know wwe was streaming their shit i think it would just be nbc's the it's the one that makes the most sense makes the most sense it's the easiest transition they've done business with wwe for years you know through the usa network nbc universal owns usa so to me, my prediction, and I could be wrong. Again, I'm not a journalist. I have no inside scoop whatsoever, and I don't pretend to. But just to me, that one makes the most business sense. It seems the most logical. Or we could be getting trolled, and then Vince comes out. Who bought the WWE? It was me, Austin. It was me, Austin. <laughs> and I mean, he could, he could, he could, he could very well sell it to nobody and take it, or sell it to, or take it private before he sells it. You know. I mean, he could do that too. So there's any number of options on the on the table. But whatever he's doing with it, it's not what they want him to do with it. Because um, yeah, he's getting sued all, by shareholders now. Yeah, and and um, I know we're not here talking about modern shit, but I was more shocked that Steph quit than when Vince. I, I wasn't. I wasn't because before he had to resign, she was already doing that. She she right. came back kind of in emergency capacity, so it didn't really shock me that much. But um, I, I, I get that. But what I'm just saying is, her going, "Fuck it, I'm done." You know, it's like I never because she's always been super defensive of her dad in public. You know what I mean? And this is her. Um, basically say it i don't want to say it it's like her basically saying i don't have any faith in what my dad's doing now like right. he, he's gone off the rails and i'm just going to disconnect myself from him that's what she's doing and how many years has she's just been totally supportive of her dad no matter 
what weird ass thing that he says or did or whatever for her to, the, for her just to be like yeah, I'm gone. Then like, the crazy the craziest thing about her one of the craziest things about her leaving is okay she leaves so even if there is a sale she won't be in any kind of an executive capacity and then either Vince is going to get his money and go or he's going to get his money and hang around till he dies but either way once Vince is gone that will mean that we will have a WWE for the first time ever without a McMahon involved um so unless you count Hunter as a McMahon but I don't. I count him as an in-law, and that's fine. But um, yeah, it'll be. It's going to be interesting to see how things unfold. Um, spe- he, he may have done enough favors to be a McMahon. <laughs> spe- <laughs> speaking of out-of-touch promoters, we're going to go back to the American Wrestling Association, the AWA, promoted by Vern Gagne by 1987. Totally out of touch is Vern Gagne. And it is Super Clash 2, May 2nd, 1987 at the Cow Palace. And boy, Ron Trongard won't let us forget that. And I'll get into that in a little bit. With an attendance of Ron Trongard shit. With an attendance of 2,800 mm-hmm. at Super Clash. And uh, the AWA, out of all the old school promotions, is probably the one that I have I have watched the least of. Um, I watch I've watched some of the stuff. But it's not like Mid-South or Memphis or old WWF or NWA, WCW, where I watch it multiple times. Like this AWA Super Clash 2, this may have been the first time I've ever even watched it. I've never, I'd never laid eyes on it until Mark was <laughs> like, the thing I want to watch the most is Super Clash 2. <laughs> never seen it. Uh, I like how you made that interesting there, Aaron. Until <laughs> Mark was like, that's the thing I wanted the most. I was treat, y'all. I was told pick a number, and I picked the number, and this is the damn result. He was bamboozled, hoodwinked. <laughs> I was playing tiddlywinks <laughs> with a bear, and then <laughs> this well, everybody, happened. Everybody knows, having listened to the show in the past and me talk about him, how much I – I'm not a fan of Ron Trongard, Ron Trongard, the announcer for this AWA show. Um, and um, he is here in full force, Buffont in full force. Um, <laughs> Can I say <clears throat> what I, it's a simple note, but what, how I feel about the AWA. And then you mentioned it when you said out of touch, Vern Gagne or whatever. AWA seems like every time you watch it, not even just the promotion and the style that they do, but even their crowd is like a decade after what it is. Like this is 1987 and I feel like I'm watching wrestling from the 70s from 1977. And I'm looking at the crowd, and I'm like, even the crowd looks like 1977 people. Yeah, like, people, are, people are just smoking. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I saw, like, dudes with, like, Coke bottle glasses, like, and with, like, the big black rims out there. And they're in fucking L.A. Or not L.A., but they're in California, where fucking people are ahead of their if time. You, you know? if, you, but, if, you, if you if you if you if you rub an ashtray. From 1974, the genie comes out. That comes out looks like Stanley Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
everything they do just looks 10 years behind the time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> watching it, I got that whole old school finish feel and all that. I mean, it was, to me, it wasn't a terrible watch. Few matches definitely uh, I, I could have did without having to see any of, but. And Tron Guard is joined by on commentary by Ray the Crippler Stevens, who obviously is an AWA legend. Well, that's later. Um, Not right away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. The opening match yeah, for this on that. Sorry, go ahead. That's all right. The opening match for this show, everybody's favorite pedo, Buck Zumhoff, <laughs> is in the house, and he faces General Adnan Al Casey. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with um, with Adnan, before going to the WWF as General Adnan with Sergeant Slaughter, he was quite the accomplished wrestler. And actually, I will recommend to anybody. One of the best wrestling, most interesting wrestling biographies. He had a very interesting life. Um, he actually was friends with Saddam Hussein. I had to get the um, fuck out. Like, yes, I got no yes. <laughs> <laughs> get the fuck out of here. But yeah, he was, they brought in American wrestlers to wrestle him in Iraq to like entertain the, the people, you know, and placate them because that's obviously a dictatorship or whatever. But yeah, I mean, he has a very interesting life and story, and I'm not going to diss him even as a wrestler. He was an effective, you know, Arab heel. Um, well, didn't at one time he played a uh, Native American? Yes, he was Billy White Wolf mm-hmm, in the and, WWF. And that's when he that's when he got over here. He became Billy White Wolf because he didn't want that um, heat or whatever. But like over there, it was like I think he even I. I if I remember the book right, he was friends with Saddam and then Saddam like wanted him to be like a stand in for him. Cause he's like, they're going to try to kill me. Yes. Um, you are going to be my guy to stand in for me. Cause he's going to be my body double. Yeah. And he was like, fuck, I got to get out. <laughs> I don't want no parts of this shit. Dog. I'm going, I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not hating on Adnan, but this is a bad match. It is. And they did a lot of stalling. It was boring. And we don't have to get um, too much into butt <clears throat> piece of shit zoom off. Yeah, we've, 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 we've dissected the shit out of him. I think I've got his ear over here somewhere. So <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, the, the finish did make sense. I didn't write the finish down. I just wrote Adnan, go- Adnan goes over in a bad match. I usually write the finish down, but I didn't even write the finish down. Remind yeah, me. He, he went over by uh, pulling the trunks, or no, it was the uh, feet on the rope on uh, Bugs and Moth. Okay. Okay, yeah. I, yeah, and, and it makes sense. He's a heel, and Zumoff should lose every match he's in. So everything nothing about- makes me happier than watching Triple H spike that fucking cunt right on his fucking head <laughs> pedigree <laughs> into a pile driver like you've never seen i, I never like have ever and i said i didn't want to talk about it but like i said i've never <laughs> ever wanted to watch a wrestler get hurt but watching triple h punt like spike that fucking hit that fucking piece of shit's head into the fucking ring every time i'm like yeah <laughs> and and I love you, Paul. 
I just hope that people that the people that he worked with didn't know what he was doing. That's the only thing I hope for is they didn't know what what a fucking creep he was yeah. until Hunter fucking dropped him on his fucking divot head. <laughs> Go ahead, we'll move on. When uh, when I have one note here because after the match, um, Zumoff is is raging, of course, about losing to Adnan, and he says. He says, "Come on back here," and I can't not. Re- I do not know what he said. I can't. I couldn't make it out whether he said, "Come on back here, you jerk," or if he said, "Come on back here, you Turk." <laughs> it was probably the latter. <laughs> like, that was in probably the right country, you moron. <laughs> it was probably come back here and jerk because he's a fucking pervert. And I uh, 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 was like, oh, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> the next matchup, and I wrote down here, this actually isn't awful. This was actually a pretty decent match. Ooh, it is DJ Peterson against the Super Ninja with Mr. Go. <laughs> you want to tell you what, what my is it? Mr. Go or Ninja Go? <laughs> because the announcer. Who looks like a fucking Goomba? <laughs> like he looks like an extra from the fucking Sopranos or whatever. We need Archie here for this conversation, but yeah, he's MIA. Announce it. <laughs> the announcer goes Super Ninja with Mister Go, and then um, Retard Trongard calls Nin Mister Go Ninja Go. So my favorite thing about the whole thing, though, is they're they're you know kayfaving it that these guys are from the Orient or whatever, and then they're clearly white guys. Super Ninja was actually <laughs> Japanese because I googled him, but the the manager guy was clearly a white guy, Mister yeah. Go. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I remember. And, stu- I, I I distinctly remember. I remember when they introduced Super Ninja. He was uh, at first aligned with Larry Zabisco, and I can't even remember. I can't even fathom that I remember that, but I do remember at some point seeing something where he was aligned with Larry Zabisco. Uh, like Zabisco caught him, brought him in to be his his heavy or something. But yeah, that was cool shit because that was when like Zabisco was wearing a gi and his little fucking headband on shit. That was fun shit. But yeah, like tr- the the announcer announces him as Mister Go, and then Tron Guard or Ret- Retard guard is what I'm going to call him. Retard guard <laughs> says he's Ninja Go, but I'm like, nah, Mr. Go's a better name. Yes, and that's what I call him, Mr. Go. Sounds like a, um, it actually doesn't sound like a, a villain from a Mega Man game. <laughs> I got you yeah, now, Mega good. Man. I am Mr. Go. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, those games were hard as fuck. Yeah, they were one of the most aggravating platformers you could play. Like I've tried to I've tried to play them as an adult and I think I was actually better at them as a kid than I am as an adult cuz I'm like I don't want to play this anymore. I feel like I stink. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that and uh Trent uh what was that one game? Castlevania. Oh yeah. That's a pain in the ass too. <laughs> <laughs> the the hardest game I've ever played. I know we're getting into something anyway. The hardest game I've ever played was Ninja Gaiden for the X, the original Xbox. 
Good God. There is a boss fight in that game that is so hard because you literally, you, you can't, you're just running around this little area and you don't even, unless you accidentally stumble upon it, there's like, there's like a little crater that you can go into in the wall to avoid your opponent. But unless you stumble upon it, it's, you can't even see it. Like that's, that's how hard that game is. It's like, I just keep dying and dying and dying. And then I actually survive by accident. Well, we know what happened. You, you read the strategy guide. Online. I probably did at the time, <laughs> at the time, at the time I worked at GameStop and they would, those strategy guides would be like lifesavers. At, at, well, no, but after like six months, because you don't want to have too much stock on them and it's retail. So they send you too much of everything. They would have us mark those down and throw them away. So I, I still, to this day, I have so many strategy guides from like the, the early to mid two thousands that I just took from the store because it's like, the, I'm not going to throw it in the dumpster. Maybe one day in 2046, this will be worth some money. It'll be vintage. <laughs> That's why I can only really play sandbox games like Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption. Because, Nate, I'm going to ask you this. Have I ever been known for my patience? No. <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> for the short time that we've been doing podcasts together, hell, I could have answered that one. <laughs> I I've been told I have no patience, and unless it's a kid or a dog, I have no fucking time for anything. So I can't play a fucking game where I'd have to run around a room and find a fucking nook. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Like I'm gonna throw this through my fucking television screen. Well, this match, DJ Peterson and Super Ninja, actually goes to a 15 minute time limit draw, and again. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a flare and steamboat, but I didn't mind this match. It didn't, you know, no. nothing about it. Nothing about it was offensive. I thought it was fine. I found um, something offensive. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it wasn't in their work. It was Super Ninja's gloves. <laughs> Did you notice the thing that, like, his glove? Did you notice it? Not really. Nobody else notices gloves. The only thing I noticed was at one point Tron Guard says something about him not having tape on one hand. No, his gloves had like it would it 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 had a I don't think it it wasn't, but they did like a cross thing on his gloves, and his gloves looked like a swastika. I, I bet they I bet they were probably going for a ninja star. And uh, screwed it's that. Probably up. what they were trying for, but I'm like, Fuck, he got a swastika on his gloves. He borrowed it from the German gimmick that was on the dark match that we didn't get to see. <laughs> I'm like, fucking super ninja, or is he super Nazi? He had fucking swastikas on his gloves. Go back and watch it, guys. Well, I'm never gonna watch this again. Swastikas. The one and the the other note that I have here, and this is I guess where it started. I really started noticing it. How many times is Ron Trongard going to say "Cow Palace" in San Francisco during this friggin' show? 
and how I say I have written down here. You should turn this into a drinking game. Every time Tron Guard says Cow Palace, do a shot. You'll be blitzed by the main event. I figured you'd be. Hank, that's what he said. I said, I figured you'd be blitzed by the second match. <laughs> Just having to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to Tron Guard getting fucking smacked down a little bit here in the next match. Holy shit, you're right, Aaron. Up next, it is. <laughs> did you did you see what I did? You look at what I saw. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Take a one screenshot second. of it and send it to Nate. Hold on, one one second. Window. The next matchup, but as Mark is going to send me the picture of the swastika gloves. Oh no, <laughs> um, I'm sharing the screen. Oh, okay. All right, let's take a look here. I am that technical technologically advanced. Look at I look at it. look at right. Now. I can't right, zoom in on it, but no, I can't because we're looking at Mark's screen. Can't, Zig can't Heil, Mr. Go. <laughs> you see it? Love. Yes. <laughs> Aaron's right. It, it's, it's a damn swastika. It's a swastika. It's a super nasty. I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> they were going ninja for the ninja throwing star, but it completely missed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Definitely uh, correct there. I just thought of uh, Cotton Hill. He's a super Nancy. <laughs> I love it when I love it when when uh, Good Hank is born. One of my favorite things in the history of King of the Hill is when Good Hank is born and like Cotton's so proud, you know, he's holding this baby and he's like, hey, you, you, "You want to go kill a Nazi? You want to kill a Nazi?" I just think that when he's baby talking his baby about killing Nazis, I love it. It's great. <laughs> All right, so the next matchup on the show. I'm glad you guys got to see the Nazi gloves because I'm like, it was distracting during that match. But we had to watch that fucking thing for a time limit draw. That was my only hate on it was it went, that that should not have been a time limit draw match. No, they could have saved that for uh, one of the matches we're going to get to later. And um, the only other thing I'll put... Or the only thing I'll say about that match is that DJ Peterson guy wasn't the most technically sound wrestler in the world, but he was put together, and I think it's a little weird that he never got called up. Because mm-hmm. I, I I knew he died. Appearance-wise, like, appear, he kind of reminds you of... Maybe a little better tone, Scott Casey. See, I thought, yeah, but what I thought was he's a more jacked up Magnum. Yeah, I can see that too. And I thought, it's like, man, why didn't that guy ever get called up? And I shouldn't say called up, but you know what I'm saying. Like, why didn't he ever make it to, why didn't he ever make it to Vince? And I thought, like, I, I, I knew he was dead. So I'm like, maybe he died, like, right, he died in like 93. So I, I just thought it was kind of crazy that guy never made it mm-hmm. bigger than what he was. But he, he was a he was a good, solid, good looking, built baby face, and I, I like I don't see anything wrong with the match. That's all I was gonna say. Well, up next we have Sherry Martell, the AWA World Women's Champion, with Doug Summers. I think at this point, uh, 
uh, Buddy Rose has gone back to Portland, I believe. Um, but she is facing Medusa Michelli. And, um, of course, these two are going to have a decent match together. Yeah. yeah. And this is where I get into um, Ron Trogard being a fucking idiot. <laughs> As if we didn't catch that by how many times he's done said Cow Palace. <laughs> and, and it's not even a cow. Well, he does kind of talk about Cow Palace. But now he's sitting next to Crippler Ray Stevens. Okay. And he's sitting next to Ray Stevens, who is wrestling royalty. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Dana, am I wrong? Oh, no. And this fucking idiot brings up the cow palace again and starts talking about some fucking basketball fuck. And how this basketball fuck is done. I, I, I think his name is like Bill Simmons or Summons or whatever the fuck he brings up. And how this fucker is basically like Cal Palace royalty. And he's talking about basketball. And he's <laughs> sitting next to Ray Stevens. And Ray Stevens goes, hey, Tron guard, I sold this place out. With the biggest wrestling match ever in the Cow Palace. And Trongard's like, I wasn't aware of that. Who'd you wrestle? He's like, Pepper Gomez. He's like, oh, Pepper Gomez? Okay. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it would it would have been funny if he would have reached over and slapped the shit out of him. Like that's what he wanted to fucking do. <laughs> like, hey, screw that. <laughs> We're at a wrestling event. Yeah, because I mean, there isn't there isn't a lot of there isn't a lot of footage that I've ever seen. So I just take people's word for it. Like, um, like historian George Shire, who's very very knowledgeable about the AWA, um, and 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 people that talk about you know California. Like obviously the cow palace and then, but anyway, regardless, there isn't a lot of footage you can find on it. And I wish I could, because there are literally people that lived through it that will tell you that Stevens and Bachwinkle were the greatest tag team of all time, yeah. but there's not, there's not enough footage out there. You know what I mean? Like I can watch the heart foundation for 24 hours straight, or I can watch, you know, the rockers or what, you know what I'm saying? Like there's just not enough of, of Stevens and, and Bachwinkle. And that's unfortunate. It is. But, but like what I'm saying is like, I like Ray Stevens is sitting next to this fucking schlub. And he's like, Oh, Bill Simmons played basketball here. What do you think about that? Ray Stevens. He's like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> you're putting over fucking basketball? <laughs> this is fucking wrestling. And then he, and like, and Trongard's trying to like sell that he's like this fucking wrestling commentator. And Ray Stevens is like, yeah, I sold this fucker out with Pepper Gomez, 18,000 people more than they put in there. And Trongard's like, oh, I wasn't aware of that. And then through the entire rest of the show and to through the rest of the show, every single match, Trongard's like, 
are you aware that Ray Stevens sold this out with Pepper <laughs> Gomez? Like he keeps mentioning it after that. So I, I, I want to imagine that when they went to like an intermission and fucking Ray Stevens slapped that motherfucker <laughs> in the face. Quit putting that shit over. This is wrestling. <laughs> Because, like, through the rest of the show, he's just like, oh, yeah, Ray Stevens sold this out with Pepper Gomez. The rest of the fucking show, like... He's like, like I want to I share some new information I just learned 17 minutes ago. <laughs> I don't know who's worse, Trongard or Ed Wayland. I don't know who's, who's worse. Trongard. <clears throat> At least Ed Wayland had fucking knowledge of the business. It's a, a ring-a-ding-dong-dandy. Uh, I wasn't a big Ed Whalen fan. I'm not a big Ed Whalen fan, but Ed Whalen at least understood what he was talking about and respected the wrestling business. I don't think Ron Trongard had any respect for the wrestling business. Well, like I said, the match here that we were discussing, Sherry Martell, the world women's champion with Doug Summers against Medusa Michelli. Um, it's the match is fine. It is what it is. Um, Sherry gets the win off a distraction from Doug Summers. Doug Summers is a guy that if he would have been built better, I think would have been a bigger name. You know what I mean? Like, cause he in the ring, he was he was fucking good. Him and Buddy Rose both. I mean, he was really good. Yeah, but I just um, think I just think he had he he just he looks like. He looks like a bigger Eric Embry. <laughs> like he just well, he doesn't I, have the I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say Eric Embry. Like to me, and, and I know this guy had a bigger career than Doug Summers, but it was a different era. It, to me, Doug Summers is like a Jimmy Golden. Right. You know, like he, he's a territory guy that could work and whatever, but just didn't have that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, anytime you've ever seen him, anytime you ever saw him on WWF television, he was just doing jobs. Like he was, he did jobs for WWF in the late, like, probably like 90 through the early days of Raw, you know, but he never, he never got a, he never got a shake. Yeah. And, and you can't say a guy's bad if, even if he looks like shit. Oh, no, I'm not, not at all. No, I'm not saying you're saying it. What I'm saying is, like, you can't say a guy, like, somebody can't be like, oh, Doug Summers sucked. Like, really? He fucking kept up with Shawn Michaels and Marty Gennetti when they were 22 fucking years old. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, don't tell me that guy fucking sucked. He made those guys the talents that they are now, you Mm -hmm. know, or were, because... We're going to talk about Marty in a little bit, but there was a point where those were some of the best fucking wrestling matches in America. Was him and and Buddy versus the Midnight Rockers? At that point, it was probably the only interesting thing on the AWA. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The, but I like um, this match. Um. I'm not like a huge female wrestling fan now, but. 70s and 80s female wrestling was entertaining to me because they looked like they could kick the shit out of the dudes. You know what I mean? 
The dude's in the, my thing is like if this person looks like they get kicked the shit out of the person in the crowd, they belong in the ropes. And these two bras, they look like they can kick I, the shit out of anybody outside of the ropes. Sherry, it's funny. I, I and I, I don't want to get into a big dissertation here, but you mentioned women's wrestling, so I'm just gonna I'll, let me let me flow with this for just a minute. Sherry is one of my favorite wrestling personalities of all time. She's amazing. I'm not a huge fan of her in the ring. Okay. And that's not dissing her. She was fine. But you saying being believable. And and I also, everybody knows I always say this. I do not pretend to watch Japanese wrestling because I don't. Um, and I know a lot of guys who are from like the this era of wrestling will talk about the all Japan women. Like they had that heyday for a couple of years in the late 80s. And I'm sure there's great stuff. I'm sure it was great. But I don't know any of it. So don't judge me here either. But to me, my two favorite women's wrestlers, Mickey James comes in a, a distinct third. But my two favorite women's wrestlers of all time are the two opposite sides of the coin to what you were saying, Aaron. The first one is exactly what you were saying. She's big. She looks like she can kick your ass. She has high impact shit that she does. And it's Bull Nakano. Bull Nakano is my favorite women's wrestler of all time. Okay. <laughs> But then my second favorite is the opposite. And she's someone that I know we've discussed it on the show, I think, before. But she's someone that I didn't think was going to be for shit. And wound up being the best WWE women's wrestler of all time. Because Bull Nakano is more Jap Japanese. I know she was in the WWE for a minute. But anyway, it's Trish Stratus. And the, the, I know it's two sides of the coin. But there's just two those two women to me. Those are my two favorite female and Mickey James. I love mm -hmm. Mickey James, but but Trish Stratus and Bull Nakano are my two favorite women's wrestlers of all time. Yeah, Mickey James is a complete package yeah. of uh, of uh, hot chick. She's hot. I drink her bath water, but she can work and and looks believable. And I understand what you're saying about Trish. And Bull, and I agree with Bull as being like an ass kicker, but mine would be Luna and Lita. Those are mine. I'm with you on Luna. <clears throat> like Luna, I'd be like, oh Jesus Christ. She just I'll seemed like a drink, bitch. Right here. Get down there, I will buy you a drink. Here's the credit card. My, her tab's on me. <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll dare, I will dare anybody, going back to Mickey, I'll dare anybody to tell me they're, they're and this is, again, no Japanese wrestling involved because I don't watch it. I dare anybody to tell me there wasn't a, there, there is a better women's program than Trish Stratus and Mickey James. That that's, my, that's my favorite women's feud of all time. And I know there's been a lot more in the modern era because there's a lot more women's wrestling, but Trish and Mickey is my favorite women's rivalry ever. Yeah, I also enjoyed uh, when the cat was with China. For other reasons, <laughs> it was the Attitude Era. Exactly. Like that. What is that? See, there's like that meme going around right now that shows that shows the cat. And it's like the attitude era was wild. Like you, you turn on wrestling, you might just see a titty. You didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> you know how many times <laughs> me and my buddies 
would be sitting in our fucking in our living rooms trying to pause the fucking VHS tape of that fucking Armageddon thing trying to see the cat's tits. <laughs> or Slaughter got there with the fucking You're like, like Adnan Al Casey. You're like, dummy, you stop the slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, we gotta rerun a little bit. We wanna see them titties. <laughs> Well, Sherry winds up winning this match against Medusa and retaining the women's championship. So then we go into the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, we match got a shot show. before that. What's that? We got a camera pan before that. Oh, well, you roll well, with that because I just well, I will. Because Tron Guard, fucking retard guard, <laughs> the entire show has been talking about this amazing production crew that they have and they pan the crowd and this amazing production crew decides we're going to pan the crowd to show all the empty seats. <laughs> this is the fucking cow palace. What's funny is because you were talking about the numbers earlier, 2,800 for this event. And then Ray Stevens, what would you say? 18 grand, 18,000 18, people, <laughs> right? 18,000 fucking people into this place. Yeah. And they're like, oh, let's pan the building. It's, it's pathetic. It's like, um, I never understood why. When he knew, he knew how his business, and this is a different promotion, but he knew how his business was. Why in God's name? And I know you're stubborn, you're a wrestling promoter, you're hoping that something's going to... In those later years of wrestling Star Wars, <laughs> or that why, why would Fritz still want to broadcast that show from Texas Stadium? You look pathetic. You look yeah, pathetic because you got a stadium and there's like 70, there's like 17 people in there. <laughs> but the difference between that is that you're in a stadium, okay? So if you only fill or if you only film the ring and the field. But they didn't. I know, but <laughs> I know. as. But they did the same fucking thing with this goddamn cow palace. <laughs> and, and like, when Sher like, because in this match, uh, Medusa, who the only note I had, other than what you guys talked about, was fucking jacked at this point. Like, she looked like a fucking athlete. Mm. Like, like, I've always known Medusa was a talented performer or whatever. It was an excellent wrestler and athlete, but watching this, I'm like, fuck, that bitch was fucking an athlete in 87. Like, there weren't a lot of chicks that looked like her. Yeah. But her chasing Doug Summers and Sherry away, and then the fucking camera panned, and it's like a sea of fucking empty seats. It's like, what the fuck were you thinking? And to me, the hairstyle that she had on this event versus... You know, when she was in WCW and when she did the whole Alundra Blaze thing, it really fit the gimmick. That's just my opinion on that. Uh, I agree. I agree. It had that she had that wild, messy do that mm -hmm. you would you would expect from someone named Medusa. Yeah. And a badass. Yeah. Right. All right. We are moving on to uh ah, 
what I would call the main event of the show. I know it's not the last match on the show, but um, it is the AWA World Championship match. Nick Bockwinkle and Kurt Henning. Um, before the match starts, they intro, they rub the they rub the ashtray from 1974. And out, out, out comes uh, Stanley Blackburn. Looks like he smells like Benson and Hedges and um, gin. Um, and uh, he is, uh, he is here as the president of the AWA to yammer on about something. And then Larry Zabisco comes out and wants to challenge the winner of this match. Larry, as always, is on point. Um, I am a big Larry Zabisco fan, especially. I, I, I really I love him as a wrestler, but I really love him on the mic. Um, and I, Larry's a highlight of any show he's on. I got Paul Heyman vibes off of uh, like, damn! I bet Paul Heyman watched this, and that's where he got a swag from. Was Larry Zabisco? <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> it, it made it it made it more pimp that he and Nate. I know we talked about before when we were talking about WCW, like. In like eighties, early nineties, WCW, somebody who showed up in a tuxedo, and you're like, "Why is he in a tuxedo?" But and you're like, "It doesn't work." But Zabisco, for some reason, showing up in that tuxedo fucking worked. Yeah, like he was pimp <laughs> and he was an asshole, and it was great. Like he was like looking at the two biggest assholes in the AWA, Kurt Hennig and Nick Bockwinkel. And going, I don't give a fuck about anything that you fuckers are doing. I just want to beat either one of you. Like he, him yelling at those two and wanting to challenge them. It's like does what I make. Does what I'm trying to say make sense? Yeah, like, it's, it's basically like it doesn't matter what the hell y'all got going on. We got next. It's all about Larry. <laughs> it's all about Larry Land. Yeah. But yeah, he um he he makes do that he wants to challenge the winner and he's going to stay out there at ringside during the match. And my notes, it's always good, like we say on Reliving the Extreme, when you don't have a lot of notes on something because that means you're intrigued by it. My notes on this are great wrestling match, great pacing, and these guys are obviously two total pros. You have two of the greats in the ring. Kurt Henning, younger, he hasn't even reached his full potential yet. And he is going toe-to-toe with one of the best bell to bell pro wrestlers to ever walk the face of the earth. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's kind of my notes too. Um, it, it's a little different than what, I, than what you said was like Kurt hasn't um, reached his full potential yet, which is correct. But what I put was it is fucking insane how long. Nick Bockwinkle went into his fucking career and never did anything bad. Mm-hmm. Like, like, um, you can't even say that about Flair. And, and I'm not knock, I'm not knocking Ric Flair at all because he's one of my, he's in my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. But fucking Bockwinkle was never fucking bad. Yeah, like he never missed a step, even when he went into that fucking Starcade '93, or, or, or um, sorry, not Starcade, Super Brawl '93, Slam- Slambery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, 
Like, he was never fucking bad. That dude, and and I know, like, there's the joke of a hashtag classy or whatever, but Bachwinkle was phenomenal his entire fucking career. On a, on a, on a, on a wrestler level. I'm not necessarily talking about personality, but on a wrestler level, to put it into a, for those of you that may be younger or haven't seen a lot of Bachwinkle, to put it into a modern wrestler, bell to bell wrestler perspective of the modern wrestlers, probably the Nick Bachwinkle of his generation is AJ Styles. I was going to say Dolph. Okay. I can see that too, but I I would just say, because AJ, you made me, when you were talking about somebody who you've never seen him, you know, I've never seen AJ miss a step. You know, and et cetera, et cetera. I just that that's the first name that came to my mind of the modern era. My, the only reason I said Dolph was because I don't think he's a guy that like AJ everybody knows. Right. You know I mean? And he's got fucking he's on the truck and he's this and he's that and everything like that. But fucking Dolph doesn't get enough goddamn credit. And I don't think Nick gets enough credit. And um not being, not trying to be whatever, dumb or whatever. Like, the the two things I like more than anything are fucking professional wrestling, professional wrestling and comedy. Okay? Like, I love professional wrestling and comedy. Stand-up comedy. I think Nick Bockwinkle was the Norm Macdonald of comedy. Of wrestling, you mean? Yeah, the Norm yeah, he's the Norm Macdonald <laughs> of wrestling. Thank you, Nate. Like <laughs> all the other wrestlers know that this guy is the fucking best and people outside might not know who that fucking person is, but every single wrestler knows that this fucking guy was the best. Yeah. And, 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 and I've never seen him have a match that I didn't enjoy. And this match wasn't this this match that they had it was only 26 minutes but it was a fucking clinic and it looked great both of them did a great fucking job and and I'm not going to try to monopolize the conversation but I'll let you guys go ahead sorry like uh, like uh you were saying though like he was great i mean if you look at some of the notable matches that he had, he had uh knockdown drag outs in 83 with uh Wahoo McDaniel and then 79 with Jumbo Saruta. So I mean and you know, even his stuff with Flair and stuff, it was great. Like yeah, my, he, he could he, he could he could adapt to his opponent. Yep. And um like Aaron said, it's it, it was never bad. We could never look at anything. He's he's like He's like Terry Funk. Like we talk about Terry Funk all the time. You can never see anything with Terry Funk that's bad. And you're never going to see anything with Nick Bockwinkle that's bad. Um, he, 
the and, and and I mentioned the pacing of this match because the 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 pacing's perfect because they like Aaron said it's like 26 minutes long and and for for 21 and a half minutes of a match it's it's very much a catch as catch can kind of wrestling match and then at the end they do like four and a half minutes of high spots it's perfect they do four and a half minutes of high spots near falls etc cetera, etc cetera, get you into who's going to win this thing i have no idea who's going to win and then um it just it was perfect pacing larry zabisco then comes to uh, ringside and the apron oh go ahead I was just going to say the only thing Trongard ever did good in his life was um, do a callback of the fact that like a year earlier, these guys wrestled for an hour and he, he made it. I want to make a, I don't, I want to give people credit where credit's, deserved or whatever. Tron Guard made a good point of Bachwinkle wrestled this kid a year ago and it went an hour and he couldn't figure out how to beat him and now he knows. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So 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 it's like it took him a year or it took him an hour to figure out and now they're going back into this. But does that make sense? Yeah. Um the finish comes, Larry Zabisco comes to ringside and um, Tron guard kind of plays, plays uh dope here. You know, he's, he's saying oh, something. He's, he's saying, <laughs> he's saying something to Larry Zabisco or to uh, Kurt Henning and Zabisco is really handing Kurt Henning a roll of quarter, the whole roll of quarters gimmick. Um, Kurt Henning hits Bachwinkle with the roll of quarters, gets the pin and another note that I have here, and we'll get into it also in the uh, the aftermath of the match. Well, I don't know because again, I didn't. Int- I've never intensely watched the N- the AWA, so I don't know who was supposed to be the babyface and who was supposed to be the heel here. But regardless of who was supposed to be the babyface, the crowd wanted Kurt Henning to be the babyface. Yep. Because even though he had the heel finish here and everything, they are still cheering him. Um, I and then think. He- I, I, I think it was the AWA thing and that people were going to be behind Bachwinkle because he was like the baby face that's been there forever. But that crowd wanted a fucking... Like, We've watched this fucking tired-ass guy. And not saying Bachwinkle's a tired-ass guy, but, you know... Yeah, they want yeah. somebody new. Yeah, we want somebody new. This is the guy we want. Well, there's I, the whole. I, oh, go ahead, Mark. I have a question for y'all regarding uh, Henning. What was your favorite uh, era of Kurt Kurt Henning? My favorite, my favorite era of Kurt Henning is my formative years when he was was he, he was Intercontinental Champion, Mister Perfect in the WWF. When he had the uh, the coach with him, more with when he was with Heenan. And then, yeah, you know, like, so I'd say 90 through and then, you know, into like his baby face run in 93 was probably my favorite. I'd say that like him with like genius and Bob, I, uh, that's the best Kurt Hennig 
And then he was super entertaining. He was like one of the few entertaining things of WCW in like 99 with the West Texas Rednecks too. <laughs> the rap is crap song and yes. all that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, that was when he didn't give a fuck. Right. But it was still fun. I mean, he was still, you know. Well, I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's when it was, that, that like, the West Texas, the West Texas Rednecks on was when he was just like, fuck it. I don't care anymore. Just pay me. But my favorite Kurt was Gene. I shouldn't even say it, but it it might be um it might be blasphemous to say it, but I actually liked him and Genius better than him and Bobby. I enjoyed him with the coach because uh, that was some of my earliest wrestling memories was uh, mm-hmm. watching those super tapes and all uh, when he'd have the coach <clears throat> out there ringside and all that damn whistle blowing and, you know, his little underhanded tactics. It just gave perfect to me the most uh, that more of a heel edge. That and then I you like. think if you think about it now and I do sometimes you were watching it then. And you see Kurt Henning with his manager, the coach, and you don't even realize that the coach, his manager, is like one of the great wrestling heels of all time, John Tolis. Like, you know, you go back now and you're like, that's John Tolis, man. He's a badass. But back then I was just like, the coach? Who's a coach with his whistle? <laughs> I liked I liked Hogan. I liked Kurt breaking the belt. Like that that's what pops in my mind with fucking Kurt. Like, he's breaking the belt, and then Hogan's holding the fucking broken belt, and he's like, oh my god, brother, you know, all that shit. That, that, that's my favorite Kurt. <coughs> but they, they come out, then they bring out, they bring out uh, uh, Stanley Ashtray again, the, uh, the AWA president. <laughs> I love this Ashtray gimmick. I'm sorry, guys. I keep beating it to death. <laughs> but, um, kind of silly that like uh, so there's the controversial finish you know the multiple referees zabisco's in there they're all bitching at each other because and then they hold up the title well fucking ashtray can't even hold up the title did you notice that (laughs) yeah (laughs) he got out of the ring and tron guard's like oh this is all happening (laughs) and then you hear this boom (laughs) <laughs> he just throws he the belt. Yeah, he just threw the belt out on the floor. Well, that's what Trongard says. Is there. Oh, I think uh, uh, Ashtray just threw out the rope or threw out the belt, and it wasn't Blackburn trying to fuck. It was Ashtray trying to throw out the belt. The old fucker couldn't do it. Like there were <laughs> steps, and he just dropped everything. <laughs> Like I did too much coke back here. I can't hold on to nothing. <laughs> well, like I said here, the people they love Kurt Henning no matter what the story is. There's a bullshit chant from the crowd um, after this uh, is declared that the title is going to be vacant. And I did read ahead because again, I am not of all the knowledge that I have of pro wrestling. AWA, like I always say, is the the major promotion I had the least amount of knowledge on. So I read ahead. And what happens after this? And like the next week, they wind up saying Henning's still the champion. So they just held it up for the purposes of this show to create some intrigue, probably. Lazy booking. Yeah, lazy booking. Um, 
And then we get we get uh, lots of Ron Trodgard here. Uh, this is the set. This is the part I think Aaron, where he stands up and his bouffant has been yeah, dented by his like, headset. It's been yeah. dented by his headset. Like um, I saw him. Like, what kind of hat is that? So he, look, he looks like <laughs> one of the Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Thank you for being a fuck. <laughs> that's a that's a Ray Stevens was thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Tron Guard interviews Stanley Ashtray. He interviews Bachwinkle. He interviews <laughs> Henning. He interviews Zabisco. Did that be the name of the show? Stanley Ashtray. <laughs> Stanley Ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I wrote down in caps here. He says Cow Palace two more times. And this is where I came up with the idea for the Cow Palace drinking game. Um, but yeah, just again, uh, post-match interviews with the, uh, all the part, all the principals here. You were saying date where he brought up cow palace. He's talking about Ray Stevens and Pepper Gomez. That's what I'm trying to say is that Tron guard brought up like Bill Simmons and fucking San Francisco basketball. And then Ray Stevens is like, I'm going to correct you. I sold this fucking place out with 18,000 people. So every single fucking match, she's like, Ray Stevens sold this thing out with Pepper Gomez. Like, I think Tron guard was terror fucking fied. <laughs> and I think Ray Stevens told him, you fucking retard. This is wrestling. It's not basketball. I sold this motherfucker out. Don't bring up Bill Simmons again. And so, like, every match, she brings up Ray Stevens selling out this fucking place. Well, like, this dude got put in his fucking place in the middle of a show <laughs> that he had no idea what he was doing. This what would have been? This what I'm saying makes sense? Yeah, but what would have been really fun, Nate, is, like, right now, if you had a live count, on how many times he has said cow palace. <laughs> <laughs> like a ticker. Yeah. Right. Ding, like, ding, ding, ding. Like, retarded. Oh, no, no, not a ding, a moo. Says his cow palace. Every time he says cow palace, moo. Retard guard is trying to pedal back the fact that he fucking insulted Ray Stevens and Ray Stevens and like called him out on fucking national TV and was like, I sold this motherfucker out in 78 with Pepper Gomez, you fucking idiot. It's fucking great. I was super excited when we got to the next match because I was like, wow. I never, again, I don't know if I've ever even watched the <laughs> show, but I'm like, oh, I get to watch the Rockers team with Ray Stevens. How cool is this? The next matchup on the show is the Midnight Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, and the Crippler Ray Stevens against Doug Summers, Kevin Kelly, and Buddy Wolf. Yeah, this is uh, pretty for good those match. of you that don't know, Kevin Kelly is not the portly the portly announcer from yeah, the Snails. Uh, no, <laughs> the portly announcer Kevin Kelly, as Vince McMahon probably would have called him. It's Kevin Kelly. And uh, those of you that may not know, it is he actually played Nails in the WWF. Yeah, and this uh, in my notes, I think, like, Nails, Kevin Kelly, whatever you want to call him, shitty wrestler. He wasn't great, you know. He's a poor man's Dan Spivey, and that's 
this is pre-roids, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he looks good here. But um so maybe just a little juice. But that's actually in my notes, and you brought it up that he was nails. So I'll I'll just say it now. I said um a lot of a lot of credit to Kevin Kelly for changing his image to work his gimmick. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because here, if you didn't know, would you know that guy was Nails? Like, if Not. you looked at Nails and a picture of Mr. Magnificent Kevin Kelly, would you be like, oh, that's the same guy? You'd never think that. No. You have no idea who I am, boss man. Yeah. <laughs> wish they fake this voice. Yeah, they altered his voice. Um, the buddy wolf guy i have no idea on his story i don't know anything about this buddy wolf dude i don't know they call him the hammerlock hammer it seems a little redundant the hackensack hammer hackensack hammer yes the hackensack Uh, that's what they called him yep i i put i think i said uh the mississippi mud butt It's actually in my notes. It says the Mississippi mud butt bully wolf sucks. Well, it says he was born in Blue Earth, Minnesota, USA. He died 11 no, 2017. So he's the uh, Minnesota mud butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Minnesota mud butt. I thought he was. You bet you sure. He was trained by Vern Gagne. And his nicknames was Beautiful Buddy Wolf and then Hackensack Hammer Buddy Wolf. And Hackensack Hammer? Yeah, that's a whole mouthful, ain't it? It sounds like he was a uh, he was a stand-in in the movie Halloween or something. I think it would have been more fun if he was the Hacky Sack Hammer. That's what I just <laughs> like. He's just in the written note. He said a hack in the well, sack. I just, said, I, I just asked, was he the Hacky Sack Hammer and fucking? <laughs> The hack and sack like, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if he could have come, if he would have been in the ring while they're introduced him and he's doing the hack and sack, the hack and sack. <laughs> so here it says tidbits, right? But then it says this text is hidden because it's only available in German language. <laughs> so the only people that gave a shit about him were the back, Germans. <laughs> back to the super ninja again. Um, but yeah, again, I was excited at their opponents, a six-man team of Marty Jannetty, Shawn Michaels, of course, the Midnight Rockers, and Ray Stevens. And at this point, at this point in their career, Marty's better than Shawn. Oh, definitely. Agreed. They're Marty Jannetty. Marty Jannetty is one of those guys that you can legit say his own worst enemy because until until he just went down that downward spiral. I mean, I don't know who got fired more by WWF, him or Dustin Rhodes. But until he went down that downward spiral, Marty was, oh my God, he was so good. That's actually in my notes. It's like, like it literally says in my my notes, Marty Jannetty was so fucking good. And they're doing um, Ricky and Robert in this fucking match and that fucking crowd is so goddamn into it and like if 
Marty, it's crazy to say about it because Sean was fucking off the rails too. But if Marty would have just been a little less, he probably would have been the bigger star. If he would have been a little less Marty party. And honestly, when they broke them up in 92 or, or late 91 into 92, you know, they had plans, you know, they had plans for Marty, you know, you know, as far as, as far as those two went, they saw something in both of them as singles wrestlers because, and then, because you can tell that because then throughout the early nineties, 93, 94, 95, they kept giving Marty a chance and kept trying to push him because they saw the potential in him. But he just, I mean, he was his own worst enemy. But this match is uh, is is really good. The, the the heel team is fine. You know, they do a great job playing, like you said, Aaron, with the Rockers kind of playing the 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 uh, Rock and Roll Express role with Ray Stevens being as good as he is as a veteran. Um, and, and Ray wasn't there to do anything. Ray was there because it was fucking San Francisco. It was the Cow Palace. It was a fucking name. And we're going to we're going to rub this guy. We're going to get... It was them getting the rub off of the star that everybody knew. You know what I mean? Like, fucking... When these guys put this fucking match together, they were, I guarantee, all respectful to Ray. But they were like, oh, then Marty's going to do this bump, Sean's going to do this bump, and then Kevin's going to do this bump, and Doug's going to do this bump. And it was doing all this shit, and I'm sure Ray was like, "Well, what am I gonna do?" And they were just like, "Just fucking, just be yourself." And <laughs> now he didn't ask them what he was gonna do. He told them, "You guys yeah. are gonna work, and I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna go over." He's the vet. That's here. how this you shit know, works, right? You know, that's how it went in the locker room. He's the vet. <laughs> he's he's like, all right, like he walks he's- past them smoking a cigarette going what are you guys going to do out there before i get the pin you know what i mean like it, it, there's no conversation there's it, you're teaming with ray stevens he's getting the pinfall but you guys get to shine that's the, and that's how wrestling works or should well, I, work i'm going to be honest though like through the whole rockers thing i was always a fan more of marty but as time uh progressed i became a fan of Sean. Like mm-hmm. when when he started doing the whole sexy boy gimmick and all that, and I I started really <clears throat> enjoying him because like it wasn't hard to tell that that was the same person, right? Like he was saying with nails, you know, you wouldn't look at he, uh, Mr. Magnificent or whatever the hell it was, and Kevin Kelly, and then look at nails and be like, that's the same person. You could tell that well, that was the same person. I mean, even though there was no gimmick change, name change, or anything like that, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, you could tell, even if even if they would have called him something else, you would have knew, hey, that's fucking Shawn Michaels. Right. Like I said, decent match here. Uh, the win comes when Ray Stevens uh, pins Doug Summers with a small package. And then we go to a big package. That <laughs> Doug big package Summers has a small package. <laughs> <laughs> we go to a big package, and that big package is Jerry Blackwell. Jerry Blackwell, who for some unknown reason was over in the AWA territory. Hold up. That wasn't Archie Mitchell? (laughs) He's not here to defend himself, goddammit. That that one's for him not being here. That wasn't Archie Mitchell (laughs) when he had hair? (laughs) And now I'm picturing Archie with long hair. (laughs) 
<laughs> we love you, Arch. <laughs> um, Jerry Blackwell against Boris Zukov here. Boris Zukov has the uh, the the like the Mongols kind of hair in the back. Where is like, yeah, I wrote it, I wrote it down. He... I wrote it down as Jerry Snackwell versus Boring Zukov. <laughs> Damn, that's even more hints that it was Archie Snackwell. Zukov is <laughs> Zukov is managed <laughs> by Adnan Al Casey because if we're the AWA, we want to confuse people. And hey, bring everybody WWF, out more than once. WWF, the WWF's had a lot of success with Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. So let's put Zukov and Al Casey together. Uh, fun story about well, Jerry Blackwell. This is before that, though. Right? This is 87. Zukov, yeah, this, or, the Bolsheviks were 88. I, I, no, no, no. I said they're trying to confuse people by putting the Russian and the Iran or the Arab together. Okay, I thought you were trying to say that no, 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 no. I'm talking about Sheik and Volkov. Okay, I got you. Sorry. Um, no, that's all right. Um, the, uh, the the interesting story here, for those of you that don't know, is there was a possibility Jerry Blackwell may not have been at this event because when Vince was doing his expansion of the promotion in 1984, Jerry Blackwell tried to get into the WWF. And they actually had try. They were having tryouts for territory guys to come into the WWF. I think it was either eighty four or eighty five, maybe right around WrestleMania time. And uh, he left because the line was too long. This was uh, eighty seven, right? Well, no. What I'm saying is Blackwell was part of this lineup or whatever in like eighty four, eighty five. So he could have possibly been in the WWF. Um, and never have been at this show, but I just that's that's my, that's the only story I know about Jerry Blackwell was he he left a WWF tryout because he thought he was waiting too long to get his tryout, so he said fuck it and left. Was that well, a real I, thing? I yeah. know. Uh, yeah, I think Bret Hart tells the story in his book. Maybe Bret. It's in somebody's like book. Like his feet hurt. Like he's like my feet hurt. I gotta go. Well, he <laughs> obviously has diabetes. Yeah, he's like, I got cankles going on here. <laughs> but yeah. yes, he, he showed up for a WWF tryout and left before he got his actual tryout because he was tired of waiting because there I, were so many people. I do know in October of 87, he had a uh, AWA World Heavyweight title match against. I, th uh, I thought Kirk you were going to say in October of 87, he had a massive coronary. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no way that dude's not alive. Not, not dead. Jerry Blackwell is dead, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he died. He died the January the twenty second, nineteen ninety five, at the age of forty five. He was born Jeez. in Stone. So that Mountain, means Georgia. that means on this show, he died in ninety five at the age of forty five. Is that what you said? Yep, at the age of forty five. Christ, that means that this show. He was only 37 years old. He looked like that. Yeah. <laughs> God. Jesus <laughs> I don't look too bad for 44. Yeah. yeah. He, he was five foot 11, 477 he was, pounds. He was, he was wider <laughs> than he was tall. <laughs> like I, I feel like a, I feel like fucking Tony Atlas. When I look at myself now, when I grab a glimpse in the mirror, like I took a, I went to take a shit the other day after eating fucking Arby's. It was like, Jesus Christ, I look like a fucking slug. 
He got up and he was like, <laughs> "We'll call it the Blackwell effect." Yeah. Picture Jerry Blackwell at thirty-seven, and you doing good, my friend. Yeah, I look like fucking Lou Ferrigno and Arnold Schwarzenegger in that Pump and Iron seventy-eight video or whatever. Uh, good shit, the- pal. The uh, the less said about this match, the better. And now well, Casey tries to get involved. Go ahead, Mark. I, I don't have a say, lot of thoughts on it, so if you have thoughts, share yeah, them. Yeah, I, I will say for for uh, as far as big guy wrestlers during this era, Blackwell was over as fuck. Oh yeah, that's what I said. He was over with the AWA crowd. I don't know why, but he was absolutely. I guess because they look like he looked like everybody's country cousin. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> legit, he was over. Like I was shocked, like just to see the reaction and the pop of the crowd for Blackwell. They were like the other guy. Nah, I think I heard that, it. I think I heard a chant in the background while he was wrestling. They were like insulin, insulin. Um, but if you notice, like in like, okay, in, in this day and era, like of wrestling that we're talking about, they always had the foreign guy versus the country guy. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, mm-hmm. like either it be a patriot or you know, just some um, every amendment loving Southern redneck, and that's to me that's what Jerry Blackwell was. Like he he looked like my drunk uncle that at a bonfire, you know, that just got in there. I'll wrestle him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wrestle that commie. <laughs> he doesn't like America. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's like DJ Peterson already got to wrestle that Japanese Nazi. <laughs> Give me the uh, guy from the Soviet Union. Well, that match, like I said, that match happened. Blackwell went over Boris Zukov, and then the I guess the main event of the show is Russ Francis. Who, frankly, I, I, I'm not a football guy. I'm just not. I, I, I'm not a football guy. The only sport I watch other than pro wrestling is hockey. I'm going to be honest. I don't watch football. So most most football players, I know the really famous ones because they're on TV. And then I know anybody associated with wrestling. That's just that's what I know of football. And all I know of Russ Francis is he was in the main of he was in the the battle royal at WrestleMania two. And he played for the 49ers. And um, yes, and that's why he's in this match in San Francisco, obviously. And he's teaming with Jimmy Snuka. Known dirtbag Jimmy Snuka, but a wrestling but, legend. I will say this. Watching this match, I was I was surprised because a man of his build, Jimmy Snuka was fucking great. Like doing the oh, uh, yeah. whole like, the whole leapfrogs and all that over the guys and for a Snuka, man of his build, you didn't see stuff like that. Snuka is much like Benoit. Yep. Where if you can get past his 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 undoing, yes. If you can get past his his demons and his the just the shitty things that he did. I mean, I dare somebody. Anybody, and I know his promos are nonsensical, 
But that was part of his fucking charm, you know? All the right. people in TV land. Jimmy Snuka was over, man. And Jim, people loved him. And you can't deny it. And you can't deny that he was innovative in the ring. And you can't deny that he was over. Um, I, was talking yeah. to, I was talking to somebody about this the other day at work. That it seems like the shittiest human beings are like the most creative and talented people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like Michael Jackson, shitty human being, right? Yeah. Great James, performer. James Brown, shitty human being, right? Mm-hmm. Great performer. Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. Human being. Great, great performer. <laughs> great performer, talented mind, shitty human being. Bill Cosby. Say what you want to say about Bill Cosby, but that, like, Bill Cosby was a great stand-up comedian. Shitty human being. Jimmy Snuka is the same way. And it's the, like, the, I'm, the watching, key- I'm watching the show, and then I see Buxumoff, and I see Jimmy Snuka, and I'm like, oh, this is the only time in the world that you can be like, oh, Jimmy Snuka is not the worst fucking person <laughs> on, on this show. <laughs> And the key word you use there is human being. And the reason I say that is because if you're a celebrity or if you're in some something like entertainment or sports, the awful things that you do have a magnifying glass on them. There are plenty of shitty human beings that are retail workers. There are plenty of shitty human beings that are construction workers. There are mm-hmm. plenty of shitty human beings that are postal workers. But everybody has a profession. So when you have a profession where you're in the public, the fact that you're a shitty human being, even though you're good at your job, gets a bigger <laughs> magnifying glass on it. Yeah, and I think, too, that's where people, <clears throat> like, not saying, okay, overlook everything that he's done. But if you're, if you're going to look at it, don't look at it as, okay, all this shit that he done pre to that, like it was like it wasn't nothing because pre before he lost his shit, Jimmy Snooker was great. And I and I'm a I'ma go on a limb here and say had it not been for Jimmy Snooker, that Piper may not have had as much of a heater as he had. You know right. what I'm saying? Because when mm-hmm. he with him hitting Snooker with that coconut and all, it, it really elevated the whole feud. And if it wouldn't have been for Snooker's um transgressions he would have been right next to hulk hogan during the expansion as the big baby face as a matter of fact before they got their hands on hogan they were considering him to be vince was considering him to be the guy to try to lead his expansion yeah and he was it was gonna i don't know if this is dumb or out of the out of the realm of what I'm saying, but it was there, there was a reason that Snuka was in the corner at one. It wasn't supposed to be Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. It was supposed to be Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Snuka. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, and then he murdered that chick and. Ugh. All right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta not do it that Change way. Change lanes here. Yeah, right. 
Well, this match is Jimmy Snuka and Russ Francis against uh, the terrorist. Yeah. It was actually played this night by Brian Knobs. You wouldn't guess it as at the shape. <laughs> no, they, they but they were still pretty. They were still pretty uh, slim. He's probably, at this he's point. probably in his twenties. And uh, the mercenary, played by Ron Fuller, on this show, which one of my actually my only note because the match is pretty nondescript and I didn't have a lot of notes on it. But the mercenary has a has a has a nice beak on his mask. Yeah, you know, like, Oh man! <laughs> to me, it looked like remember Beetlejuice or the Beetlejuice movie? Yeah, when yes. when uh, when Baldwin when, pulls when, out his yeah, nose, when, when Gina Davis and Baldwin pull out their nose, that's what he looked like. He looked like the fucking Beetlejuice thing. What the fuck <laughs> is going on? He should have come out to shake, 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 Sinora, shake yeah. your body now. <laughs> shake, 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 Brian Nubs. <laughs> that was Ron Fuller and Brian <laughs> said yes. no one ever. Ron Fuller and Brian Nobbs. <laughs> no one ever said in the shake terror. Brian Nobbs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shake Brian Nobbs. <laughs> oh shit, that was good. <laughs> you definitely want to don't want to shake Jerry Sags. What shakes out of Brian Nobbs if you're shaking? Like like what falls out? Does your knob get polished? Oh my! Well, only if you're Hogan. That's nasty, boy. <laughs> like if you hit a fucking pinata knobs with a fucking bat, like what falls out of it? Probably Percocets. cocaine, Percocets, and cocaine, and a ham. Is Pork chop grease. Is it <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my bad. That was in bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> no, pork chop grease tastes all right. <laughs> you know what? I got to tell you something. All right. It, well, I mean, you'll probably, you'll probably, will, you, Mark will probably be like, whatever. Because he's from the South. What's but, that got to do with the price of tea in China? <laughs> <laughs> Not a goddamn thing. <laughs> But okay, so Mark, my wife's from Kentucky, okay? Where everybody's can. Okay, I got you. Um she when she met okay. I don't know how this happens, ladies and gentlemen. It's a southern thing. But when I eat green beans, even when I eat green beans, it's unhealthy. Green beans are gross. Because you have bacon in them? I like green beans. Yeah. Listen, she <laughs> makes green beans in bacon fat. Yep. Ooh, god damn it, that's good. <laughs> You're right. It is a southern thing. I've never <laughs> seen that anywhere else on the geography. And I mean, me, me and Aaron, me and Aaron are from the ghetto, so I mean, we grew up around like soul food, right? But when her and I first got together, and then she was like, she made green beans and bacon fat, and I was like, I think I love you. <laughs> I don't know how you fuck up bacon more than putting fucking green beans in it. Mm. Uh, I love green look, beans and I love look, bacon. It's this, it's a strange combination, but Aaron, it's like uh, say you Buddy, took it's... say you took Eugene and put him with the great Kali. It's strange, but it would work. <laughs> <laughs> I eat a lot of vegetables. <laughs> I I do, 
And but yeah, like oh. <laughs> you said, I just pick now. I pictured like Kali and and Eugene doing the Indian dance. Yeah. <laughs> like corn, corn's a vegetable, right? Yeah. Like yeah, but I don't eat corn. I I refuse to eat canned corn. Well, it doesn't matter how much you chew it; it's going to come out whole, anyways. Yeah, right. It, it reassembles itself in your gut. But I I won't eat canned corn because and Aaron, I don't know if you remember or not, but it seemed to me like when we were growing up, with every meal, our mom served us canned corn. Yeah, or some kind, or some kind of fucking corn. I will not eat corn. Like corn is if, good. My wife will be like, I'm going to make corn. What other vegetable would you like me to make? Because she knows I will not eat the corn. I'm not eating corn. I'm not, I, I, ate enough, I ate enough between the ages of 3 and 17. I've had enough corn in my life. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever had the uh, what they call elotes, the Mexican street corn? No. That is good shit. You, it will change your whole outlook on so, corn again. A lot of, like, I'll eat corn... <laughs> I don't want to say I won't eat corn. Like I'll eat corn if it's in something, like if it's in a chowder or it's in a soup. But if you're just gonna give me some corn to scoop up with my spoon and eat it, I'm not eating it. I'm not eating I, it. And I, I won't eat it on a cob. Can't. I'm not gonna eat, eat it creamed. I'm not gonna eat it on a cob. I'm not gonna eat it on a no, not no. Yeah, corn's great. But if somebody's like, eat this cauliflower, I'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> I will throw you down the steps if you try to make I don't like I don't like cauliflower yeah, like, raw. Well, well, we put we put fucking cheese on it. Like fuck you, you just fucked up cheese. I don't I don't mind st- I don't mind cooked cauliflower. I don't like raw cauliflower because it's like it turns into sand the minute it gets in your mouth. Or right. if somebody's like, oh, eat this broccoli. Like, I, I love will, broccoli. I will slit your throat if you try to give me fucking broccoli. I love broccoli <laughs> and cucumbers and tomatoes, especially cucumbers, as- cucumbers are disgusting. No, here comes not. our first. Here comes our first FCC fine right here because Aaron said he's gonna slit somebody's throat. Yeah, <laughs> God damn it. we got a terroristic threat right you there. Give me a fucking cucumber, I will fucking murder you. That's what? just a, that's just a baby pickle. Listen, I don't like fucking pickles, cucumbers. I, I would disagree on broccoli. I have to disagree on the cauliflower. I'm on the same page. It, it like and pickles are the worst. Like pickles are fucking pickles are like the Al Qaeda of food. Like if you put them on it, like you can put them on anything and it just ruins it all of it. Like it like you could you could pick off a cauliflower. Like if like oh oh here's this here's this great steak with cauliflower we gave you. I can pick off the cauliflower and throw it in a trash can. And I won't taste it. But the minute you put a pickle on something, it invades everything. It's literally like a cucumber soaked in vinegar and uh, a brine of different seasoning. Pickles are the worst. <laughs> Fucking hate all of it. What were we Hold talking? On a second. About? Hold on a second. What we got? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm writing down timestamps because I literally have to edit out everything that we just talked about. Why? Because you can't say murder and slit someone's throat on YouTube. That's why. <laughs> Fuck's sake. I didn't say a specific person. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Hold on. Well, where can we post this? 
I mean, I can have it on the podcast. I can have it on the podcast, but I can't have it where decent people are watching. Where do (laughs) people watch this? (laughs) I don't fucking know yet. I'm starting YouTube. I don't want it to get taken down the first video I put up. We need need to challenge. thinking like a fucking businessman here. (laughs) We need to challenge our listening audience. If you're decent, (laughs) reply in the comments. See how many hits we get. Are you panted right now? Like, do you have pants? <laughs> All right, shut up. <laughs> Are you panted? And that is our review of AWL. Oh, fuck. Uh, uh, Nick, Nick Francis. Is that how you ask somebody wearing pants? Russ Francis and Jimmy Snuka go over the terrorist and the mercenary. In this matchup, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, listen to the podcast and you'll hear some uh, murderous vegetable talk. But anyway, um, that is it for this week's edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Guys, overall, I'm going to I'm gonna just go out on a limb here. One to five, rate this show. Three. Two. I'll give it a three. Just because uh, Bot Winkle and Henning and... Uh, the whole Sherry and Medusa and the Rockers six man tag match was pretty decent. Like the rest of the card, I could give a crap less about, but those three matches, I'll give them each one point just because they were over. What, yeah, me. and I, I gave it a two and a half. And, and I, I guess I didn't rate Sherry and, and Medusa, but I actually gave a little credit to the uh, to the uh, the DJ, the DJ Peterson Super Ninja match. Yeah, it was decent. Because um, I think I liked that more than you guys did. But, um, yeah, I gave it a two and a half. I wasn't expecting to give it that higher rating, honestly. It was like AWA 87. This is going to be a shit show. And it really wasn't awful. There was enough good to make it a decent show. Yeah, they had good, the bad, commentary good, bad, stunk. good, bad. The commentary stunk. Some of the booking stunk. Buck Zumhoff's I mean, a demon. You know, but, Jimmy Snook is a murderer. In but reality, are we really watching this for the commentary? <laughs> for comedic <laughs> like, unless, purposes, yes. Uh, unless we're like talking about Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross team, or uh, Dusty and Zabisco, and uh, who was it, Mongo, and all them in WCW. Like, I could give a crap less about the commentary. I'm watching for the quality of match. I did figure out something from this show that if I can get into a club and I can start putting my music together, I know what I'm going to call myself. DJ Super Ninja. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And and if I don't see anybody, like if I can't, if I view a person and I can't see them in any way below their torso, I'm going to ask them, are you panted? (laughs) If you are, mister, go. (laughs) That's what you need. You need a sidekick. You get DJ Super Ninja, and then you need Mr. Go on on, (laughs) as your sidekick. (laughs) Yeah, he's your your little John hype man. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what? Go. <laughs> okay. All right. That being said, Mark, any parting words for our listeners this week? 
Uh, keep listening. Uh, if you watch this too, I'm sorry. <laughs> other, other, other than the three matches that I mentioned in our uh, rating, really didn't care for the rest of it. But get a point of peace for the good matches. So, Aaron, <laughs> I probably have something to say. Um, just thanks for listening to all the shows, and um, we're apparently putting this on YouTube. So you guys missed like twenty minutes of fucking gold. Yeah, you missed <laughs> you missed you missed terrible vegetable talk. But that's okay. Listen to the podcast, the audio podcast, and you'll be able to hear it. Go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and, and you'll be in on it. Boom. And if you and if you um, try to block this on YouTube or whatever, stick a cucumber up your fucking butthole. <laughs> God, there we go. We gotta edit that out. <laughs> Maybe not. There might be cucumbers up the butthole uh, tutorials on YouTube. I'm sure there is. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining us and encourage you to, as we're this show goes to air, the YouTube page is active. However, I do not have any videos on it, but I will um, within the next couple of days. And we are going to be starting some. I'm going to be doing some things on Twitch and Reliving the Extreme. We'll have a um, not this show yet. But Reliving the Extreme will have a Patreon coming up soon. And um, other than that, just a lot of I expansion. Lot of Patreon shit we can figure out for Reliving the Extreme. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, expansion yeah. coming for the network, the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network in the coming year. Um, a lot of things we're going to do, a lot of things I'm going to try. Um, but just the, the main thing is share it. If you enjoy our shows, if you enjoy what we do, let people know about it. Um, as we offer things to you, i.e. YouTube, it costs you nothing to support. It, other than a Patreon, which again, that's that's not this show. That's getting into other things. But we can't it costs you nothing. Because we can't wrestle. <laughs> it it costs you nothing to click like and subscribe to a YouTube page. Yeah, Literally just, not a dime. Just spread so, it and accept it. Like they say in prison, spread it and accept it. Yeah. Or like, or like Zoomhoff probably said once or twice. Yeah, I'm your friendly bunkie. Just spread it and accept it. That's probably what he's saying now. No, no he's, he's spreading probably, it and accepting he, it. He's now. spreading it and accepting it. That's what I'm saying. Zoomhoff, Zoomhoff is taking black dick in his ass every single time. <laughs> And he deserves all of it. Like I hope he has no. It's pelt. like the. It's like the. Um, I think. Like, I like, think. Like, I hope he gets. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Because it's one of my favorite jokes ever. No pillow. Hold on. It's it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite jokes ever. I think it might be Nick DiPaolo. And correct me if I'm wrong. There's a there's a roast, and um, Nick DiPaolo says that one of the female comedians on the dais has had more black dick in her than a urinal at the Apollo. Yeah, he's talking about Lisa Lampanelli. Yes. Yeah. 
And that is now Buck Zumoff. Buck Zumoff is literally in a match with Big Bubba Rogers right now. Big Bubba. <laughs> Fuck you, Buck Zumoff. Well, now that we finished this thing off as raunchy as we can, we're going to sign off, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, next week, we're going to start the episodes of the We Can't Wrestle podcast discussing the 2002 We Can't Wrestle podcast Hall of Fame, of which Mark and Aaron were both on the panel this year. Uh, the two biggest vote getters, just um, I, I already announced the class, so it's fine. But just as a spoiler for who the two biggest, like most vote getters were this year. The Road Warriors and Rowdy Roddy Piper got the most amount of votes in the voting. And the thing I'm the most salty about, and as we do episodes discussing the uh, the, the Hall of Fame, she I will be lecturing. I will be lecturing like I'm a pretentious asshole, as I don't know how we've done this thing for three years yet, and Ricky Dozan is not in the Hall of Fame. Somebody See, might be somebody might be Dozan on Dozan. <laughs> it was Roddy and the Roadies. Yes. The biggest votes. Yes. I think Roddy, Roddy was on my list, right? I don't know. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. But Roddy, Roddy Piper. I'd rather have this bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. <laughs> right. <laughs> the uh <laughs> the the road warriors were uh the road warriors and piper got the most votes and then i think the third most votes carry Bonner, were um with sean michaels but anyway we'll get into that next time around as we begin the episodes talking about the hall of fame that being said we're going to sign off for this week and uh, i'm going to thank you for joining us and we'll see everybody next week here on the weekend wrestle podcast